This is Have Food, Will Travel podcast. My name is Ozarks. This is part two of the food trailer and truck history. Enjoy. I'm not going to lie. When I used to work in the bar industry and up around the city that I was working in, that was my very first thing I did when I got off work because I knew that they were there for a limited time. First thing I did was either there was a pizza food truck or there was a Euro food truck. And typically I went with the Euro because that is probably one of my favorite foods. Uh, but yeah, that was the very first thing I did. I went and got food and then I would come back and clean. See, that's what I'm saying, man. Those late night food trucks. I know our buddy Tristan, he kills it doing the 3 a.m. shifts over on the busier parts of town. People get out of bars and they are hungry. And, you know, if you had to choose between a 24-hour diner or a food truck, I would absolutely choose a food truck. And especially because food trucks, you're not obligated to sit there and just look at one menu. You can peruse. You can say, oh, look at this. That's a Mexican food truck. There's a pizza food truck. There's a Euro food truck. Oh, look, coffee. Oh, I'm definitely going to need some coffee to stay awake tonight. Absolutely. You know, looking in, looking into these food trucks and you know, that the military provides for posts and stuff. They're actually like, they're pretty much everything that a, uh, that a food truck or a food trailer owner would want. Like it's all modernized. All the menus are digital. Like I said, they, they have an easy payment system. They've got, uh, certain times they set up and they can also be called out. Like how often could you go out and be like, hey, I'm going to call this food trailer and tell them to come to my location. No, you typically have to go find them. Um, That's what so- I'm saying. The on-demand food trucks is such a cool thing. The military beat us to it. It'll be a thing one day. But you know just as well as I do, the diffic- you, it's not as simple as just throwing it and driving going down the road. Moving a food right. truck requires securing everything. You're practically closing a kitchen before you can throw it and drive. Yep, absolutely. So speaking of which... Um, Actually, I have noticed that there are several food trailers here in our area that have begun to use DoorDash and stuff like that. So if you can't get to the food trailer, they're definitely making it easier for them to come to you. They are. I just recently signed Barista Go up with DoorDash. And so they're working on a menu with me. Hopefully, as soon as we get the details and the menu worked out, I'm going to launch DoorDash out of the coffee truck to make it a little bit easier to have coffee brought to you where you're sitting at your desk or in your class or on your couch in your pajamas where you don't want to get up and go anywhere. So, you know, DoorDash has become, I'm, I'm not going to hate on it at all, man. It's a convenient thing, and it's actually benefiting a lot of the smaller businesses reach people that they wouldn't normally be able to reach, food trucks included. Yeah, we've, we've definitely looked into it. We, like I said, we're still trying to debate whether we want to jump into it. It's not cheap. Yeah, I, I've heard that it is not cheap. 23%. Is, so, 30. 30. Is that 23%? 30% all day. No. Well, Okay. <laughs> you got to pay for that convenience. So the way I'm looking at it, I'm paying 30% to reach a wider audience. That's not really different than when I go to a larger venue and the venue says, hey, as opposed to charging you a fee, we're going to charge you a percentage. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That means you're guaranteeing me more people. You know, I, I, there's a difference between a place that I'm going to pay to be at and a place that I kind of need them to pay me to show up and open my window because it costs me dollars every time I open my window. So I just kind of look at it as I'm already going to pay to open my window and take care of guests on the streets. If I'm getting 70% of the sale, it's better than getting no percent of the sale and adding addition to it. 
I'm just going to wait until my teenage becomes of age to drive and I'll just start making her my personal door dash. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Josh tried doing that for us a few times when we parked near school. He just put out a message to, hey, teachers, if you want coffee, hit me up. And boy, the teachers no, love remember, coffee. I remember that. I remember when I first met you all, he was kind of doing that. He was taking deliveries out and about and I, it gets expensive quick. They definitely got themselves a good system working there. You know, on the uh, they do. I'm, I'm going to let them take care of the gas price. Yep, especially as gas prices fluctuate. Not so much on the military side of things, but you know, I remember when you wanted some sort of mobile food when I was growing up. You had to go to a fair to do it. Um, and we have definitely the times have changed. I food trailers. You can get better gourmet meals off of a food trailer now than what you can get them from a sit-down restaurant some of them a lot of the times i feel that's the case and here's why i say that um i personally don't want my business's name attached to something i'm not proud of uh you and i were talking about the boba pearls a few events ago when i was saying hey i'm only going to get the popping boba because i don't personally like the tapioca boba i'm not going to sell it um, I'm going to make sure that everything that leaves my window is something I'm proud of, that I would drink myself, that I think is delicious. Uh, and I think you feel the same way. I think a lot of our friends with their own food trucks feel the same way. There's a certain amount of pride when you directly hand a customer something you prepare that has your name written all over it. You want them to know that you care about them liking that product. You don't want to send out a half-assed meal of some sort. Uh, and not only that, people, it's an experience going to a food truck. So they're looking for that experience. They're looking for that connection. They're looking for that unique menu item that they're not going to find going to the same restaurants they've been going to for the last year or two. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, I'm very picky about how I send my food out a window. Like if something tips over, I'll either rebuild it or I will completely take it back and go fix it because I cannot. Absolutely. Stand sending food out to somebody, even if it is in a, in a to-go container and they're going to take it home. I just, I'm very picky about it because that's how I would expect somebody to treat me when I'm buying food from them. If you're going to spend the kind of money that you're going to spend at a food trailer, you are going to, you want it to be presentable. and You want it to wow you. Yes. yes. You want it to wow you. And let me tell you, I have had experiences since I've, I, and I know you're the same way because we've had this conversation. Um, since I've opened my food truck and I have learned to appreciate the art that is food truck ownership, whenever I see a new food truck or even whether it be a new one or one that I've been to a dozen times, I'm going to pull in. And even if I don't need anything, I'm going to say hi to the owner and, you know, cheer them on, tell them how great I think they are. But the, the food trucks that I'm learning about are absolutely, it, it's such an exciting thing, man. And they all want to be working together. It's a great community. I'm so proud to be part of this. Yeah, it's one of the greatest experiences that I've ever had. I, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. I spent five years in college. I have a master's degree in criminal justice with a certificate in private security. Got done with that, opened food trailers, and I don't think I'll ever use my degree. So. I mean, I, 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 nothing I went to college for is applicable to what I'm doing other than business ownership. But nothing, I, I can't even say that I reverted back to anything I learned in college because once again, I'm learning it as I go. 
Uh, I didn't learn about the different types of corporations. I didn't learn about filing to get my tax ID number. I didn't learn about, um, you know, collecting deductible receipts and how to categorize them. Um, even a lot of the administrative things that college teaches, I'm learning on the fly with my business. I have definitely done the same. I've, I've spent more time learning stuff on the fly. How to, you know, I thought that I could actually tie stuff down pretty well until I owned a food trailer. Um, <laughs> over the last year and a half, I have probably either I'll forget to tie something down or I've actually had straps on like the microwaves. They have snapped out of the wall. And I, oh I have no, I have bought three microwaves in the last year because something has happened. Either I have neglected it or um, a tie down is broke, and it, it can get expensive very quick. We're not even gonna, we won't even talk about the price of the actual food trailer. We're just talking about equipment and product. I've had pitchers spill over in the coolers, and then I get to spend an hour and a half cleaning it. Like, it gets pretty crazy. It's definitely, but I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I no. I get, to, I get to meet new people every day. I get to talk to new people. I get to talk to them about their experiences with various food trailers, including mine. Now, you know, there are people that will kind of fluff you up and be like, yeah, your food's excellent. And then you never see them again. But I have never had, I have never had a bad experience yet that I can think of with, having the food trailer, being in the food trailer industry. Um, it's definitely, you know, people always talk about like military police, like having kind of like a brotherhood, but I've never really even ran into many food trailer owners that have been irate with me. Like they kind of all look out for each other, at least the ones that I've ran into in our area. Now that may not always be the case. I'm sure there's some. And you even work people. with other Mexican food trucks too. You're not the only taco truck in town and it's still just a collaboration and a community. And I think it's amazing. And yep. the ability to feed off of each other is awesome, man. Yeah. definitely. I tell you what, I went to one of the, no, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Definitely never doing it before. It is definitely nice to be able to see other people doing it, whether they're just first starting out or they have been in the industry for years upon years and being able to ask them questions and figure stuff out. Cause I'm definitely still new at this. I've, like I said, we've been doing this for about four years now, but I don't consider myself seasoned whatsoever. I literally learn something new, whether it's changing a setup in a truck or changing a setup and, you know, the actual food trailer itself. I always am learning something new from a new owner or even a person that is paying attention when they're ordering food they're like hey why don't you do this instead and i may not take the advice immediately but it's definitely something you have to look at one of the biggest things i have learned in this industry and heck with anything in that life anything in life is that you have to be teachable you cannot always be 100 percent correct i'm gonna follow that up with two because during your time talking i want to follow it up with two different points on the point of taking advice from your customers, I'm just going to touch on that real quick. I was trained how to be a barista when I was in high school at Panera Bread. I believe it might have still been St. Louis Bread at the time. Uh, I, I'm like, that's been a couple decades now. And with owning my truck, I was making a uh, latte. I was steaming the milk. And this girl at my window, she says, you know, if you were to froth the top just like another second, it would lower your noise quite a bit. 
I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to try that. And I forgot about it until days later. And I remember her saying that. I go, oh, I'm going to try that. I'll be damned. <laughs> Just another second of frothing the milk. It lowered my volume several decibels. Um, but then we're going to skip back over to learning from other food trucks. And that is that is applicable to even when you are going outside of what you do. I don't prepare food. I don't cook food. I don't have a flat top or a grill or a hood vent. I am specifically a beverage food truck. You know, I have my three well sink, my hand sink, and my reach and cooler. But aside from that, my equipment consists of a bean grinder. I've got a coffee brewer, an espresso machine, a hot chocolate machine, a couple of Vitamix blenders. So whenever I find a new food truck, I'm so not ashamed to be like, Hey man, since you're not busy, can I like peek in your door real quick? And I just see your setup. I love seeing new setups. I love learning the way, you know, I'm going to learn from people, even if it's not a coffee truck, but even if it is a coffee truck, I remember showing up to one of the County fairs that I do and I show up and the guy's like, here, follow me. I'll take you to your spot. I said, That's fantastic. And on my way to my spot with my coffee truck, I passed by a second coffee truck. So in that situation, some people would be like, oh, oh, another coffee truck. Oh, what are they doing having two coffee trucks? And then there's me that's like, oh, my God, I've never seen another coffee truck. I've only seen my coffee truck. I'm going to go talk to this guy until I'm red in the face. And I went and I met the guy. Shout out to Cool Beans out of Columbia. He was super inviting. He showed me all of this setup. Um, the gentleman wasn't even a barista before he was an investor looking to start a food truck. And that's what he found. His sister introduced him to it and he learned the art and he ran with it and he has an amazing step. He's got a great business plan going, you know, so it's really cool learning from other people and seeing what they're doing and bouncing that off. Cause we're only here to, you know, to do better competition brings up the best in people. And I think it's such a fun thing to do. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, and there's still a competitive nature to it, regardless of how well we get along. I, it makes you better, though. Right. Correct. And it, it definitely it keeps the wheels turning in your head at all times. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I definitely think that um, actually last year I had a gentleman offer. He's been in the food trailer business for about, I think he said, 30 years. And he, due to some health issues, he is ready to get out of it. He tried and tried and tried all day. I even ran into him to the gap into the gas station after the event and tried again. He wanted me to buy this truck and trailer from him. He wanted thirty thousand dollars, and it came with his entire list of all of his events. And he makes some, and he goes to fairs. He's got a lot of fair food. Um, he goes to a lot of the bigger fairs, Iowa State Fair, um, that those kind of things. And I'm like, nope, I don't have that kind of money to sink into it right now. And looking back on it, now that we're in the process of trying to find a new trailer, I'm like, you know what? That really wasn't such a bad idea. That man clears $250,000 a year. He showed me he showed me his part of his book. Oh, absolutely. Right. So the I money had, is uh, Go ahead. It's there. I had a couple come through and similar situation. They were talking about their business. They'd actually just sold theirs to move to Missouri they were, I want to say they were Oklahoma or they were Eastern Kansas, or I'm sorry, Western Kansas. I can't remember what part they were, but they were talking about, you know, uh, they, they focus on events. They didn't do so much side of the road. They didn't do the local thing. They traveled around a couple different states and did larger events. They said their goal 
was at least $1,000 a day, which is a fair goal. And so they'd go do these week-long events and they'd come home with $10,000. And of course, that's gross. That's not profit. That's gross. But still, the ability to go out, just these two people to take their trailer, be gone for a week and rake in $10,000 worth of sales. And I guarantee you they had a blast doing it. There is not a day that I have been in that coffee trailer that I'm not dancing throughout the entire thing. I get stressed sometimes. But it's fun. It's it's amazing. It's worth it. All the work that goes into it. I'm so thankful to be in a time where food trucks are becoming more common and more accepted. Right. Sorry, I'm reading some of the chats here for a minute. <laughs> oh, I haven't even read it. We have chats. Yeah. Safe prep. I will definitely see what I can do about doing that. Um, I've, I've got some of these people hooked on Trapper and Goon. Um, I took some out to Oh, his crab rangoon is killer, you guys. Yeah, I took some out to Tennessee with me when I went to an event with some of these guys that are in here. And we definitely uh I ended up sending home Jester here with Doomsday Podcast. I do believe he's still in here. Um I sent I ended up sending five dozen of them home with him. Um and he he's been eating them and I shared them with everyone. That sounds like it's even trade safe prep. Um you mail me Shoney's um, and I will mail you some crab rangoon. <laughs> so I found, I discovered in Tennessee that they still have Shoney's by the way. And I had to hit it up because they're not here in the Midwest anymore. Um, so I hit it up. I don't think I've ever had a craving for Shoney's. That was my very first serving job ever. Yeah. When you it was me and a bunch of old cranky women. <laughs> when you, uh, when you do that, when you work in that industry, you tend not to like that food anymore. I can't stand Pizza Hut anymore. I did that job as a teenager, and then shortly right after my um, oldest daughter was born. So, but real quick here on the history side of things, I also discovered out. I also discovered something else very interesting about the food trailers that operate on a military basis. So, and not so much the ones that are contracted from outside, because I do know a couple that do that. And I think it is because they have not put their own food trailers on those bases yet. But in order for these things to operate, they actually have to work with a military nutritionist in order. So, to like, they have to adhere to a certain diet for the soldiers, or have certain ingredients, or what does that mean? Yeah, well, the ones that the ones that are being built by the military itself, by the MWR and this concession company. Yeah, they, they have to work with the nutritionist to build a menu to keep soldiers fit. Now, like I said, there's a couple of them that I have discovered. Like we have one here locally that goes to our local Air Force base. She's just kind of able to do whatever she wants. Well, I'd say do whatever she wants because obviously you have to act a certain way on a military post. Within reason, but, sure. Correct. But yeah, these ones that are being put out by the DOD, APs, MWR, and uh, the defense logistic agency like they are working with nutritionists to build menus to keep soldiers fit because it is definitely like especially in younger generations it is definitely a problem that they're having with soldiers becoming obese after they've been hurt or you know whatever it may be so yeah they're, they're, they're having to work with nutritionists one so one of the names and i love this name and i did not discover where it's at but it was opened up in 2017. One of the coolest names that I have found for one of these food trucks on military base is actually called the Forefathers Grill. Um, they serve burgers. All right, say that one more time. Say that one more time. It's actually called the Forefathers Grill. Forefathers Grill. Yep. I thought it was one of the coolest names ever. Um, 
and they do things like burgers, fries, hot dogs, which is really odd, especially they now that they discovered that they have to have nutritionists. But I guess if they're serving healthy stuff with it, then so be it. Hey, they air fryers, man. There's food trucks rolling with air fryers. You can be air fried in those fries. Might not be that bad. This is very true. Oh, by the way, say prep. If I send you crab and goon, you cannot air fry them. Jester says they are absolutely horrible. Um, and I knew that, and I forgot to tell them. <laughs> they definitely got to be deep fried. They bring on a different taste when you air fry them. You know, we were talking about DoorDash and things. That's actually what I'm trying to work on with uh, the food trailer. I'm going to start uh, dry ice freezing st- or doing dry ice shipping. I am going to start selling crab and goon egg rolls. We're going to do tamales, enchiladas. We're going to ship them. Um, and I've also figured out how to jar our homemade sauces. I've canned them. I don't believe she is in here, but I had a friend of mine that does canning for a living. And she helped me figure out times for our homemade sauces. And I have canned them. I meant to take them some of that, but I forgot it in the rush to get out the door. Oh, that's awesome. Let me know when you get that going, and I will promote the crap out of that. I'm all about selling local stuff. And I have canned some of it already, but here's the biggest thing. So in Missouri, where you live, where we live, you have to take a class in order to sell anything that has tomato-based product in canning. And the class is like $2,000. Is there a certain license that you have to have? Uh, I, I think it comes with a certificate because you have to know how to do it, but um, yeah, it's like a $2,000 course, and I have been forewarned by a friend of mine that there is a lady that if she discovers you are selling them, she will turn you in in a heartbeat, and it's like a $6,000. Oh, there's a Karen. Yes, because she can't. There's, she always, can't, there's always those. She, she cans tomato products, and she um, went through that $2,000 course. So I got a, I got a real I, quick question for you. What? What do you think one of the biggest reasons that you got into the food trailer industry? Because, you know, like mine kind of wasn't born out of necessity. I I was obviously in college for other stuff. I went to college for other things, too. I even own, you know, I was a partner in a hair salon. I bar, Food and beverage is really where it started for me. I got my first job washing dishes at a little mom and pop Italian place when I was 15 years old. You know, and all the free breadsticks I could eat. You can't go wrong with it. Um, But I worked my way up into the serving and bartending. I focused mostly on the front of the house side. Uh, Of course, like I said, I was a barista in high school. That trick stuck with me. Um, Last 10 years of my life, I devoted to a resort here at the Lake of the Ozarks. And when you live the hotel life, you live the hotel life. I didn't know that going into it. I got into it because of the bar didn't, bartending job that I was offered. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to get more into bartending. A hotel seems like a great place to do that. Look at all the bars. And next thing I know, it's 10 years later, and I'm averaging 60 to 80 hours a week. And, you know, Josh is at home raising the kids, and I'm at work. And he's saying, you know, what's it going to take to get you to come home and work for yourself? If you're going to be working that much on your own, you know, you might as well be making your own money. And he'd been talking to me for a long time about doing it. And I just, I love the security of the salary and the benefits. And one day I remember seeing this meme on Facebook and the meme said, okay, imagine this. It's, it's like an ice cream truck, except it's got coffee and it's for adults. And I said, why not? That's a brilliant idea. 
And so when Josh kept, you know, pounding me, work for yourself, work for yourself, work for yourself, uh, that's in, as we're remodeling the house and we're getting ready to do a refinance. And the, my girlfriend, who's a real estate agent, teaches me about HELOCs. And I thought, oh, we're, we're just going to take out a HELOC and we're going to open a food truck. I asked Joshua, what do you think about a coffee truck? He goes, I hate coffee. I, uh, but I don't care if it gets you out of the if it gets you out of the resort. Let's do. It. I said, all right. So, little did he know that he loves coffee. Josh was drink. Josh owned a tiling company for ten years, traveling the country, drinking gas station, Walmart, McDonald's coffee. So I taught him what real coffee was. I taught him what flavors in the coffee were. He learned all about all the tricks of the trade. Not that Josh is a coffee drinker. He can order his own coffee now. But all that to say, I work for myself. I set my own schedule. Um, my quality of life is increased tremendously. Now, don't get that wrong. I'm still putting in a lot of hours at work. My days are still sometimes 12, 14, 16, 18 hour days. Um, but at the end of the day, when I'm making out my schedule for that week or that month or next month, if I know that there's a date that I'm going to take off that date, that's my kid's birthday, or my grandson's got a party that day, or, hey, I'm going to go take my grandkids to the zoo that day, I have that control. Um, I have the control to decide how much money I make. I, if I, if I want to sit on the side of the road and, you know, make three, four or $500, or if I want to go to a festival and make 12, 14, $1,600, you know, mm -hmm. I have that option. I have that flexibility. I'm the master of my own disaster, man. It, it's, I never, I'm never turning back. Yeah. I, and you know, that's the thing. Like I noticed throughout this history thing, after I get done with this, I'm going to answer a couple questions here in the comments. Um, and, but I noticed throughout this history, I, I have noticed that a lot of those people, they ended up opening brick and mortars. I don't think that I could ever be tied down by brick and mortar doing what I'm doing. We have, we have definitely so, discussed it. Go ahead. I say, I'm, 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 no, I'm, just, I'm following up on that. Like I could invest in a brick and mortar. I can have a brick and mortar. I'm down for a brick and mortar, but I am never giving up my truck, never giving up my trailer. And my, my, my coffee shop on wheels is always going to be my main priority if anything you know we live in the midwest first quarter of the year is pretty rough i can just focus on my brick and mortar for the first quarter and you know pull out the truck if it gets to be 50 60 degrees one day but have something to suffice and not have to risk taking my truck out on days that aren't pleasant or aren't safe um so while i agree with you a brick and mortar isn't what i want to do i'm not 86 in it from the ideas I'm just nowhere near as interested in a brick and mortar as I am staying on wheels and moving and changing my surroundings. I guess I should, you know, I should say that I'm probably on the same page as you there. That's what I was getting ready to say. So we have only been in the mobile part of this for just over a year now. We had, we have two trailers. One is a stationary trailer and then we kind of moved into the mobile thing out of necessity. Um, but we have discussed getting rid of the big trailer, getting the bigger mobile trailer and opening up basically a commercial kitchen inside of our old store because my family owned a convenience store for 12 years before the economy crashed in 08. But we have discussed putting in a kitchen line and hey, if people want food, they can come catch us when we're opening, prepping for our events and stuff like that. But I definitely, I, I could do both, but I would never do solely brick and mortar. I, I have discovered that there's more fun. And even when I met you and I started doing the mobile side of the food trailer industry, like I straight up told you, I said, I don't want to be stationary where I'm at anymore. Like I'm going to take this and they can run the other one. Yeah, this is way more fun. <laughs> I mean, 
and, and, and I, it's, it's really weird too, because like, I'm kind of antisocial, you know, but at the same time, like, I love hearing people's stories. I like seeing the smile on people's faces when they bite into our food, that kind of stuff. And definitely, you know, like you and I put on this food trailer festival. I love, well, I guess we don't put it on anymore. We have turned it over to get help with it. It's the coalitions I, now. Right. And I love doing that kind of stuff, though, because I love seeing people enjoy themselves. Um, real quick here, I'm going to answer one of these questions and I don't, I'll see if he's still in here. Uh, yes, Dave Prep is still in here. I will let you answer that one first in case he ends up having to go to work or something. He wants to know your craziest bartending story. Oh, man. If you can remember. Uh, or if I can pick one. Yeah, that, definitely in the bar industry. And, and, and what's appropriate things. for air and what's not. That's two different things, man. Um, very true. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories. It's a fun little short story in tribute to my Samson. Samson, uh, he was an older gentleman that I worked with. He passed away in 2020 uh, at 70 years old. When I started working at the resort in 2011, Samson was there. And I had actually previously met Samson back in my barista days. And Samson would come into Panera and he'd order a double espresso and he'd sit down with his briefcase and he'd go through his paperwork. Uh, Samson moved here from Ethiopia when he was a teenager to go to college in Jefferson City. He got a couple different bachelor's and master's degrees and while he was in college in Jefferson City, he was bartending with me at the, or not bartending with me, of course, I wasn't there. Uh, he was bartending at the same resort. Samson had been there 40 years when he passed away. He was a lifetimer. Uh, so I always enjoy my shifts with him. I learned a ton from him. So flash forward to a New Year's Eve. I'm sitting there. I have this couple in front of me. And one of the things that you experience as a bartender is your fly-by nights. People are not always who they say they are. They get to make up whatever story they want. They get to be whoever they want at the bar, especially when they're in from out of town. And it's just kind of fun seeing what some of them come up with. Um, I had this one couple in front of me, older man, younger woman. She had sat down. She said, yeah, you know, we're, I'm from New York. I just passed my bar. Uh, he's meeting from Arkansas, you know, where this is kind of our meeting point. And she had this long, elaborate story about how she had just passed her bar and she was coming down here to celebrate this, that, and the other. And she was, uh, and I just look at Sam just smirking at her. Uh, you know, I could see him over there doing a the paperwork. He just look at her and smirk at her. And she gets to part of her story where she's telling me how she would help tutor the students who came in and wanted to learn Italian. That was one of her projects that she helped us tutor students in Italian. And this is around the time Samson is walking on the customer side of the bar. He's leaving for the night and he stops and he puts his hand on her shoulder and as gently as possible, just start speaking to her in the most beautiful, fluent Italian I've ever heard. I had zero idea that Samson spoke Italian. This older, sweet man just walks up to her and just starts belting out. And he didn't stop for about a minute or two. And he just stared at her and smiled. And she goes, oh, oh, you're so far, so much more far advanced than I am. And I just looked at him. He looked at me. He smiled. And he walked away. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so that just... For me personally, that's probably one of my favorite stories. It's just watching this old man school this young girl who is just so full of herself and full of it. And it's just one of my favorite memories there. And that's not even a wild story because a lot of the stories I'd be afraid to say on the air. 
Oh, absolutely. So I'm assuming that he was calling her bluff, or did she actually understand it? Oh, no, she did not understand a word of it. She told me she's like, I actually didn't understand. It must have been a different dialect. Samson was from Ethiopia, and he explained to me that growing up in Ethiopia, um, Italy and Ethiopia apparently were quite intertwined at the time, and a lot of refugees would learn Italian as kind of a way to survive. And so his father spoke fluent Italian, therefore all of his children spoke fluent Italian. And Samson spoke English with a very thick Ethiopian accent. You could understand him, but you could tell that that was not his main language. And so for him to just belt out Italian out of thin air was one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Gotcha. So I'm going to run back up here and answer one more question here. Karate Jane was asking why I do not bring the food trailer out to prep stock, which was the um, event that me and my oldest daughter attended a couple weeks ago here. So if you're still in here, Karate Jane, and I don't know if you are, um, so I'll answer this real quick. We had a long discussion about that. That was our original plan. I was going to take the food trailer out there, but then we got to thinking about it. And it would take me roughly probably about a thousand people to be able to justify taking it out there. I live almost 13 hours away. So got to thinking about it and Jester and I talked. And he was just like, nope, it's a no-go. It's going to cost you $1,000 just to get it across the country. And that was back when fuel was still somewhat cheap. So um, instead, this next time around, gain access. The camp has a commercial kitchen. So we are going to try to gain access to that. And we are going to use it for cooking for everyone. So that is where I'm at with that. Uh, Ash, do you have any more as far as history goes with food trailers, we kind of got off on tangents here a little bit. So I am not even surprised by that. Uh, let's look back through here. Um, I have a couple little notes left. Uh, just kind of marking dates. On December 4th of 2004, there was a modern day triumph. It was small but mighty. Um, Wikipedia posted its first entry for food truck. And now they have a large amount of information on the subject, including a small, 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 small amount on the history of food trucks. But that article started in 2004. That was when Wikipedia actually identified the food trucks as the thing they wanted to talk about. Um, so this is this one's pretty interesting to me. Uh, and it's not a thing anymore. I think, it, well, I'm going to change that. It's a thing, but it's on to the second lifetime now. Um, in 2005, an award was created uh, to help bring recognition to street food vendors around New York City. They called it the Vendy Award, the V-E-N-D-Y, Vendy Award. And they kind of did that as a fundraiser to help the uh, street vendor project, which is it's similar to our Lake of the Ozarks Food Truck Coalition. The street vendor project is a membership-based nonprofit organization in New York City, it has over 2,000 members. Um, it stands up for vendors' rights, provides legal aid, and provides small business services. And the Street Vendor Project would host a large gathering each year where thousands of hungry patrons, they'd gather, and they'd get to try the different nominated food trucks and street food vendors, and they get to vote for who they thought was the best in diff several different categories. Um, 
Their last awards took cere- or ceremony took place in 2019 on the 15th anniversary of the Vendi. So going back <laughs> to the beginning of that, there is a Vendi 2 award. I did not dive into much of the history on the Vendi 2. I was more interested in, you know, just bringing recognition originally to the city. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the street vendor project that started and hosted the Vendi Awards, they're not the only group of business owners who have had to come together to help protect the rights of their business practices just to make a living. You know that. I know that. Um, we just recently had to start our own coalition. Uh, California was, per usual, a bit ahead of us on this one. Um, in January of 2010, the Southern California Mobile Food Vendor Association was created with a focus on protecting the rights and practices of gourmet food trucks. Um, and they put a lot of access or accent on gourmet. And so when they say that, I feel they're putting in more effect to those six-digit food trucks you and I were previously discussing the ones that have specialty foods, the ones that might locally source their or their items that they sell, um, you know. But they're not alone in that. It's not just for the gourmet trucks. The New York City Food Truck Association was formed in 2011. Uh, the Northern Texas Food Truck Administration was also formed in 2011. And nowadays, you can find different associations, coalitions, and organizations in every state. But around that time, I'm going to just go ahead and say 2010 was a really good year for food trucks. Um, Things were really starting to boom for food trucks and mobile food vendors. There were different regions that were recognizing the importance of better representation in their line of work. And at the same time, the National Restaurant Association was also giving notice to the beautiful phenomenon that was continuously growing. Um, I did not find pictures of this i did not find videos of this i've only found writing of this and so if anybody out there has you know any sort of insight i'd really like to see this because in may 2010 the national restaurant association paid homage to the trend and they debuted a food truck spot at their mid mid-year or with their yearly hotel motel chicago or show in chicago so at this show they dedicated 1500 square feet of space to help operators research, shop for equipment, learn about growing trends, and then just learn about the different businesses that could help them grow their businesses. So a 1,500 square foot display set up for mobile food vendors at the National Restaurant Association's Hotel Motel Show in Chicago. Um, They wanted brick and mortar owners to see the possibilities of expanding their business offerings to different cities and different areas while maintaining convenience aspect. They're they're really trying to say, hey, guys, food trucks are the way that it's going. You should probably look that way. And it just continued to go from there. That same year on August 15th, I I haven't seen it. I'm not sure if you have. I don't watch a lot of food or a lot of TV. But on August 15th of that year, the great food truck race made its debut on TV. Have you ever watched it? I have not because I do not watch much TV at all either. Um, I, I'm way too busy raising three kids and dealing with food trucks. So um, That's right. Yeah, We're I, working those long hours. I'm not watching yeah. the show, but I the show features between six and nine food truck teams. Those teams compete in a race across the country where they stop at different towns. And in those towns, they got to sell, cook, and adapt to different challenges. Uh, there's hopes that they can win $50,000, and in some cases, their very own truck. 
if you looked a little farther into the comments, they're like, oh, no, the $50,000 just goes towards paying the taxes on the truck or the bonuses to the screenwriters. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into whether or not I fall for the reality TV thing, nor will I comment on the trucks or what they sold because I never watched a single episode. I'm not a big TV watcher. But what I will say is that I'm super excited to see public interest keep growing. And if reality TV helps that, then you know what? So be it. I definitely, um, definitely think that some of that stigmatism is starting to come away from food trailers more and more that um, we see them open. And actually, you know, I have had discussions with people and I did not know this was a thing, but um, some of these bigger corporations are starting to open food trailers. And I think that that is where some of the stigmatism is being lifted unfortunately they're very well connected and you know in bigger cities people have said they've seen subway trailers um like subs. i've seen carl's too i saw several carl's two trucks in my research yep and um uh, i think that that is unfortunately going to be the way that most if not all of the stigmatism from food trailers gets lifted but at the same time, those bigger corporations are very well connected to where us small independent owners or family owned operations, like they're just, they don't have the push. And so I think moving forward, I definitely think that we are going to see most, if not all of that stigmatism get lifted and no longer be labeled things like roach coaches. And I, well, I think getting the reviews out there are helping, you know, putting your feet on the ground, getting to know, like you said, you're, you're more in communication with those around you in your community. Um, there's different companies out there doing reviews. If you were to get into DoorDash, you're going to start getting reviews on your food, on your business, on your product. Um, you know, they even added food truck reviews to Zagat. The Z-A-G-A-T, the online food review, they added that. That's normally for finer dining restaurants and larger chains. And, you know, they're even doing food truck reviews on the online things now. Gotcha. I, uh, Sarah Lou, that actually sounds really good. I haven't had shepherd's pie in some time. Um, but, yeah, I, and as far as, like, future, moving into the future, I am waiting for somebody to figure out how to automate a food trailer. I mean, we have automation. Oh, no, you stop with that. Trust me, I, I don't want it to happen. I, I like the way things are, but unfortunately, you know somebody will eventually do it. Um, if it hasn't already happened and I, we just haven't heard about it yet and treat it like a vending machine or the gas stations we see popping up to where there's nobody working inside and everything is ran through electronics. I'm waiting for somebody to figure out how to automate, you know, food or drink and warm it up through microwave or heat, you know, whatever it may be. I do not want to see that. I think that this is a very good trend in the way that it is right now, but times change. Uh, times do change. Um, it makes me, there's so many things in our day and age that make me think of the movie Idiocracy that it just makes me, it's a face palm moment. But you say that and it takes me back to that movie where they have the Carl's 2 uh, podiums in the middle of the street and you can just you know scan your wrist and you Carl's 2 right there. But when you originally started talking about that, it made me think about how I, I, I've done some reading about how there's AI semi-trucks now. Have you have you read about that? Have you seen that? Yep. AI semi-trucks are already, they're already shipping and delivering inside this country as it is. Like, it's happening now. So, unfortunately, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that the technology is not there. Unfortunately, it probably is. Um, do I feel that there's a need for it? No, man. With the... Since COVID happened, uh, a lot of the country has seen a shift 
and the availability of the workforce. And I, a lot of people are like, oh, people got lazy, the free money. Honestly, what I think it is, is most people learn how to go to work for themselves. They weren't able to go to work. They weren't able to make a living. So they figured out how to do it for themselves and they had enough time to make it work. And now they don't need to go back to work. But just like you and I, we've got our food trucks. We've got our own businesses. I don't have the need to go back to work for anybody. And so I don't think that they're going to need to fill a gap with that. I don't think there's any need for automated food trucks right now. I think there's a, you know, there's no need that needs filled. Absolutely. And I don't know if she means like a vending style or a vending machine style here, but Jelly Sick down in the comments, she said there's already a piece of one in the UK. I don't know if she means food truck itself or like a vending machine. And then you got Sarah Lou that says they have hot food vending machines in China, which we, we actually have hot food vending machines here. They're far and few between at the moment, but I'm talking like physically an actual food truck or trailer and somebody has figured out how to automate it and they either sit in the driver's seat and make no food or they completely program it and set it out on the street and treat it as a vending machine. And they just come stock it once well, in a great while. Fingers crossed we've got time before that happens. Well, hopefully I will not be here when that happens. Hopefully it'll be 40, 50 years down the road and I won't need to worry about it. So, But I definitely, I, I like I said earlier, I could not think of doing anything else at this point. I love what I do. I, you know, it kind of gives me a flexible schedule. Like you said, if kids have something going on, you can stop or not stop. Cause obviously if you're in the middle of it, but you can take the day off and go do what you need to do for the kids. Or if you want to go work 80, 90 hours a week, then that's your prerogative. And I've definitely done that. There have been weekends where I and have probably, <laughs> I would say there have definitely been weekends that I have put more time into the food trailer than I have into any job in my life. And I was a soldier for one enlistment and I have definitely spent more time inside my food trailer than what I did being a soldier. Um, but I, I love it. Luckily it was during the summer and I didn't have to do a whole lot with the kids the next day cause I got to rest, but I definitely want to keep doing this as long as it's possible. It's something that I think it's go ahead. Yeah. It's worth it. No, I'm just saying, I think it's worth all that time and those long hours and those crazy weeks. And I know you probably know the same feeling I'm getting ready to talk about here when you have just busted ass, you've killed an event, you've been on your feet six, eight, ten hours, that line didn't think that they was going to end, those tickets didn't think that they were going to end, the people are finally gone, you, you shut your window, you stepped back in your trailer, you shut your door, and there's nothing around you but silence and a mess and just the ability to stop and take a breath and know you killed it and just know it's done and know you did it. That is one of my favorite feelings in the entire world. That feeling of, oh my God, I just killed it. We just killed it. We just killed it. Like, I love that feeling. It's one of the most rewarding things. And I never, like, I got that feeling when I was working for someone else, but not on the same level. It is nowhere near the same level as doing it for yourself. I was about to say, I think a lot of that is because it's you making money for somebody else. When you're making your own money and putting your own, putting your pride into your own work, I think that is what brings that together and gives you the joy to continue to do it. So, yeah, see, Jelly down here, she said it's like a trailer. And you just type in what you want on the pizza and it comes out in a box like a vending machine. No talking to anyone, which I hate, which I hate, wouldn't use it, which I love to talk to people cooking my food and all the food smell smells coming out. 
See, I, I, I'm right there with her, not on the line of food, but in the line of automation. I'm a credit union girl. I don't use banks. I prefer credit unions. My local credit union just recently in the last couple months went through a change. They no longer have a drive-through. Uh, you can either go inside the building and talk to the humans inside, or you can go through the automated drive-through. Um, automated teller, you pull up to a screen and you're video chatting with the teller at another location. And it is digital tellers. And I, I want to talk to someone. I want to have someone in front of me. I want to walk into my credit union and they go, oh my God, you didn't bring your coffee truck? What are you thinking? You know, I, I want to have that relationship with human beings. I, it's not that I don't think the system works. I'm sure it works. I'm sure those automated pizza trucks are delicious. I'm sure those automated robot, you know, screen chat teller machines are great. But if we give up too much human interaction, it's going to cause such a wave of depression in us. Like you need that yeah. human interaction. You need that energy around you. You know, people put off an energy and when you walk up to the food truck, and you see the guy grilling your burger, sitting there dancing and listening to whatever he's music listening to or music he's listening to, cooking food, he's having a good time. You know that food's going to be good. You know you're going to have a good time buying food there. You know you're going to like that experience. And you know you're probably going to seek that truck out and go seek that experience. Because every time I talk to someone about a food truck versus a brick and mortar, I tell them the difference is the experience. The experience of going to a food truck. And the experience of seeing what's on their menu if they have a rotating menu. The experience of seeing people who know your face, know your order, know what you're about. And they're going to sit there and talk to you. And they're going to be like, hey, guess what's new? Uh, you know, the people when you're at a concert, you know, that food truck's going to be at that concert. You can go get that. You know, it's finding convenience and inconvenience spots and the experience you get from food trucks that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah, that that's kind of what you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. I think that, yeah, it's a cool idea. And yeah, it may even work in moderation, but I definitely think that the human interaction has to be there in everything that we do. But I think operating a food trailer is one of the best ways to interact with your community and even people in other communities. It helps spread the word that it is okay. You know, when we first started our permanent location one, we had a lady come down and she's like, yeah, she's like, my daughter won't come eat here because she doesn't think food trailers are safe to eat. Well, they finally, about six months into us being open, they got her to come down and try it. And she, when we're open, she comes through here all summer long. It's a matter of having that interaction, getting people to try it and getting people interacting with people. It it will do wonders. And it took me a long time to figure that part of it out because I, was I know a lot of the person. stigma is the worry that we're going to take away from the locally owned brick and mortars that we're going to run the brick and mortars, the fly by nights, the roach coaches are going to come in and they're going to kill your economy. We're part of your economy. We live here. We pay taxes here. Our kids go to school here. You know, we are part of the economy. We are just doing it a little bit differently. Nobody starts a food truck to take someone out of business. Nobody starts a food truck to do it the cheapest, grossest way possible. Um, and you're right. I, I, I have not personally experienced that. I have not ran into someone who feels that way. But I have tried watching every documentary I can get my hands on when it comes to food trucks. And one of the ones I've watched most recently began by interviewing patrons on the street around the food trucks. And one of the first ones I interviewed, and she said, you know, we were at this event and I look over and he says, oh, I'm hungry. And she goes, well, I'm not going to eat off of a truck. He goes, well, 
you don't have to. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat off of a truck. And they go, and he gets this food. She goes, oh, wait, are those are those French fries? Oh, look, those look like really good French fries. And those were the best French fries I've ever had, you know? And so the, the thought that it's, like I said, we went at the beginning of our conversation, we touched it for a minute because it's not worth more than a minute's risk, you know, recognition. But the term roach coaches, it's still out there. People are still thinking that the trucks are not worth what they are, but what they don't realize that it is no longer what you're going to run into going to a truck on the street, that their inspections are more than any brick and mortar you're going to sit down in, that their expectations are higher, that their standards must be higher. You know, they have to really put the foot down and do things right to be in operation. And I just, I'm really excited for people. I really feel that trend is moving Mines are opening and small town by small town, they're growing in numbers and hopefully everybody around us is going to start kind of changing their eyes a little bit. Right. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I think, and this, this isn't so much history thing, but I guess it can be considered history. So I think the food trailer trend really grew when COVID hit. I think it, it was it another. That's where our big idea started. It was another stage of the evolution of food trailers. So. We had had, so most of the food that we make on our Mexican food trailers, recipes of my real dad's. He ran a Mexican restaurant in high school. And so the menu has been there for years and years and years. Out of the blue, we were just like, hey, open a food trailer. And then shortly after we did that, they locked the country down for um, a, what was supposed to be a couple of weeks. And we never had to close down. Now, we were only in our permanent location at that time everyone else was shut down yeah kylie um we actually we have started seeing food trailer parks pop up around here they have a couple built and there's a couple more in the works at the moment we haven't learned a whole lot about them but um yeah it, it's going to be something i do believe and another thing that was that food trucks were born out of necessity is the shortage of staff People could not get people to come in and be servers, and they couldn't get them to come in and cook and be hostesses and whatnot. So, you know, I I couldn't, that is the one thing about a brick and mortar that I couldn't do. I, I couldn't imagine, and it's not out of selfishness. Um, I like having the small little team that I have compared to having to hire 10 people and worry about whether they're going to come in. Are they going to treat my patrons with respect? You know, I was recently speaking with one of the brick and mortar owners around town. Really, really sweet gentleman. He actually came to visit me in that coffee trailer. And he just was driving through on a Sunday, he wanted to stop because he'd been seeing my logo around town and introduced himself. Hi, my name is Dale. I own this restaurant over in this part of town. And we started talking about it. And he said, yeah, my restaurant, it's Monday through Friday. It's open five hours a day. I've got three employees. I said, really? That sounds amazing. He goes, yep, it's perfect. And then he told me, he followed that with telling me a story about a conversation he had with another local restaurant owner. This other local restaurant owner has one of the bigger breakfast areas in town. He has a staff of, you know, over two dozen people that he is open seven days a week for eight, nine hours a day. And these two restaurant owners were having a conversation. And he tells me that the other restaurant owner of the bigger more popular, you know, open longer restaurant says to the smaller restaurant owner, you know, you've really got it figured out. And Dale says, oh, he says, yeah, you've got it figured out. You are doing more with less. He says, you're open less. You have a smaller staff. 
and you're still making a good profit. He goes, meanwhile, I'm over here working, you know, seven, 10 hour days a week, managing over 20 people and their lives and their mishaps and all the miscommunications. And, you know, we're doing it for about the same outcome. And so back to what you said, I enjoy my small staff. Um, my trailer is without including the tongue, the box itself is seven foot wide by 10 foot long. Uh, Josh drove down to Florida to pick it up. Real quick here. We're going to get cut off here in about two minutes. So let's wrap this up. And <laughs> Long story short, he was just calling me to say, Hey, it's small. It's big enough to where we won't bump into each other, but it's small enough to where you could turn around and smack me anytime I get out of line. So, all right, good to know. So it, it's nice not having to monitor a staff and a schedule and keep track of others. You just take care of yourself and your business. Correct. All right, guys. Well, I wanted to thank you all for coming in and listening and all of you that are coming Thank you in guys so well. much. Thank you very much, Cindy. And Vet Tech, yeah, we actually, um, that is kind of, we, we do them all the time. We literally are working on building a circuit of basically fairs for food trailers and vendors. But yeah, we, uh, it's all right, Carson. Um, but yeah, that, and Cindy, when you come to the Ozarks, come down in April, we actually have another um, food trailer festival coming up and I could give you the date. So definitely that's something you want to do. But anyway, guys, I'm, I'm going to get out of here before we get cut off. I want to say thank you for everyone coming in and listening to our first podcast. I will let you know when the next one is. Um, and it's going to be on this time slot, but we're going to get out of here. Have a good uh, night. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely, Ash. I'm glad that you can come join me for this. And I hope that you do good in the next couple days here coming, moving forward. We actually have an event together Friday, I do believe. Bring on the so, weekend. We're going to do the eat and greet with a couple food trucks here in town. So let's bring some more attention to the food on wheels. With that, everyone, we are out. Thank you and have a good day. And thanks for coming and checking out the podcast.